So my first question is, you ready to go? I've hit record. Okay. <laughs> what's your what's your full name? Christian Geir Mattisen. Okay, so Chris, Christian, if I say that with my American that's accent, that's, that's fine. all right. Yeah. Just Christian. Yeah, is Christian. that typically what you go by? Yeah. Or okay, yeah, so t- tell 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 me about your name. Where do you get? Where's your name come from? Oh, um, it was in my on my mom's side that I got Christian. So Christian means similar to the English one. Uh, yeah. Christ is the first part of the word, and Yaun is to to admit to say yes to Yao. So wow. So, so it's a, and is it pretty typical Icelandic name? Or? Yes. I think it was like top 10 when I was born. It was a president of Iceland with this name. So, yeah, I guess. So I born and raised in Iceland. Yes. Then. Born and raised in Iceland. I lived there all my life. Apart from uh, a year when I was an exchange student in Arizona. And then, uh, yeah, up until 10 years ago, nine years ago when we moved to Utah. Wow. So what is it like? I mean, if you, you know, we, all we know is just what it's like growing up in, in America. I think at least most of those in our ward know that. So what's it like growing up in Iceland? At least for you, what was your experience um, like? It was smaller, a lot more compact. Um, I happened to live in the, in the metropolitan area. So I was close to the city. There's only one city in Iceland by definition. That's the capital. Um, and Today, like, I don't know, 85% of the population lives there. Um, so I was close to the city, but still lived in a small town. I think it was like 15,000, 18,000 people in my town when I grew up. So a lot of people, you know, you know, not everybody, but you know somebody who knows somebody who, you know, things like yeah. that. There were three high schools in our in our town. So you, you know, kind of, wow. yeah, not very big. And uh, what uh, did uh, tell, maybe tell me about your your parents and your family? What's that makeup like? So I'm I'm the youngest of five siblings, and uh, uh, my dad had his own business that he worked. He was very active in uh, extracurricular things, like uh, he he was the chairman of the chess club of Iceland. So he would travel to Europe and, and Eastern Europe uh, in the fifties with the chess players. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a. There's some story that I can't remember, but I think uh, in Yugoslavia or somewhere they got uh, detained because of passport issues. They were told, and, and then you know they got help. So he out. was just traveling around playing people in chess. Well, no, he used to help with the chess players. So he was he was he was okay. the chairman of the club, but then he would organize or you know go with them and do like um, you know media meetings and things like that. Okay. Yeah. So um, he was there. He was in politics. Um, he was also involved with sports clubs. In Iceland, the sport cl- sports clubs are separate from high school. So you join a club type of thing, and you pay annual fee. Or, mm-hmm. And uh, so he was heavily involved with, with, one, uh, with one of the two clubs in my hometown. So we had, like, rivalries between clubs, you know. Um, I guess kind of more like England where you join yeah. a club. So um, my mom would, would stay at home, uh, homemaker, and uh, all of us ended up working for my dad at some point or another. We started working early. I started working when I was 11. He would import these crates, uh, these, no, oh, sorry, he would import these furnitures from um, Scandinavia, and they would come in crates, like wooden crates. So my job wow. was to take these crates apart and save all the wood, uh, make sure it wasn't damaged. <laughs> And then uh, line them up according to size. And then later, uh, my job was to 
to put varnish on them and he he uh he covered this their summer cabin with these with this wood free wood did you have like a big warehouse just full of this stuff i no it was uh, it was not a big business you know this is iceland remember it's not massive okay yeah. so, <laughs> so it was only there to sell within iceland yeah and- he would import it into iceland okay. and sell within iceland and did he have a storefront yeah. or it was yeah, he, he had a store. the, the vendor? Okay. Yeah, he had a storefront. And wow. and I would work in this, uh, I don't know, like a four, six garage size uh, old warehouse. Uh, it was not insulated. And this is back when there was only two radio stations in Iceland. One was the national radio station. The other one was on the base. And I would bring my AM radio with me and work from nine to four that summer when I was 11. Got one hour for lunch wow. and uh, just worked by myself, opened up the big doors and yeah. So you were, you were right in it. Yeah. I just, you were, I, did you feel like, I mean, today do you feel like you're more of a hard worker because of working at such a I, For age? sure. For sure. And yeah. I, you know, I, the only thing I had to waste time on was the radio, you know, uh-huh. no smartphones, no, you know, <laughs> nothing. To, I didn't even bring, you know, like comic books or anything like that. You know, it was just, <laughs> And it was it was yeah. cold. It was not insulated the shed. So you know, if you stopped, you know, you got cold. So you kind of got move, you get some heat. Wow. So I did that, and then uh, my dad really uh, liked his cars to be shiny. So once a week, his car was washed, and once a month it was waxed. And uh, when I was old enough to do that, he owned a 1978 Bronco, you know, the big size. Uh-huh. Uh, I had to stand on a on a on a milk box to reach the hood to wash it. And so that was my job and he'd pay me, but once a week I'd wash yeah. it and, and usually on Sundays and then wax it once a month with those really hard uh, wax that would, you know, you, you can only wax small pieces of the car at the time because it, it dry and it was really hard to get off if it, if it left, you left it dry for a while. <laughs> so wow. yeah, that was part of it. And then I would work for him like in the summer and in Iceland, we get a fair good time of, uh, off school for winter and Easter, you know, like a couple oh. of weeks. Um, and I would, all my breaks, I would work for him. And I remember when I turned 16, um, school had just started. Well, yeah, maybe I was 15. School had just started, it was last year, school, and the teachers went on strike for like two and a half months. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And there was no school, and this was eight, 1985, I guess. And VCR was the king, and I remember all my friends would like <laughs> yeah. watch movies all night long, way into the night, and then they'd sleep. And so I, I would have to leave like at ten thirty. I think that was my curfew. Go home, and then next day wake up, go to work, and then I would try to catch some movies with them during the night when they were about to wake up and get going again. But yeah, yeah. I worked for two and a half months and earned some money while they watched wow. videos. So, so your dad did pay you for the work? Yeah, you did I for did him. get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good. And did you did you enjoy it? Did you resent it? I mean, what what no, was that I, like over time? Did you get tired of working for your dad, or him always telling you, no. you know, the what crate to unpack next? It was nice having money. Yeah. So no, and and he would micromanage. Like when when I was eleven, he just told me what to do, and and then I, I was just by myself. I would open up and lock yeah. when I was done. Um, no, I, I I enjoyed it. I. Yeah, but it definitely helped. I think my work ethic. Um, yeah, was it different from your the experience of your friends? Like, did was it? 
Yeah. Typical for 11 year olds to be working. Well, so, I think then maybe not 11, but you know, you, if, if you would go on a farm in the summertime, then yeah, you know, young kids would be working on a farm. Uh-huh. But, you know, as we got a little bit older, if, if, if you didn't, you know, if your parents didn't own a company or you didn't know somebody, then it, you know, became a little bit harder to find jobs for these guys. Yeah. So what did you spend your money on that you earned? I just saved it, saved it until uh, I turned 17 and I bought a car. I paid half of it. <laughs> I was going to guess. There's only one thing a 17 year old wants and that's a car. Right? Exactly. We get, was it a nice car? Or yeah, was one it was brand new. Worked? So my mom, my, my dad had oh, this wow. system that whenever we get our driver's license, uh, my mom would buy a car with us. So she would buy half of it and pay half of it and I would pay half of it. But I think we, us kids kind of used it most of the time though. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. And uh, nice. I was, uh, I was one of the few that had a car when I turned 17. So I was usually oh, the designated nice. driver and, and that kind of uh, <laughs> helped me to stay away from the booze because I was driving. Yeah. And that leads me, I guess, to the the other dynamic. Uh, you were not born into the church. You're a convert to the church, right? Yes. So were you religious at, at no, all? Was your home religious? No. We'd go, you know, like funerals, weddings, um, baby blessings. We used to go to church at Christmas uh, Day as well, Christmas Eve. Yeah. But then... Were you Catholic? No, Lutheran. Okay. Most of the Lutheran, back okay. then were Lutherans. That's the state uh, church. But then the uh, our church we got a new preacher priest and I guess my mom and dad didn't like it too much. So we, we became inactive and stopped going that one day a year, Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. No. So was, did prayer happen in your home? No. Or did you read the Bible at no. all? No. But they were, they were all, uh, you know, religious in their own sense, but it was just shy. They, they don't want to be vulnerable about it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a private thing. So I think, Quite a bit of Icelanders, religion is a private thing. You know, you you do it on your own time and not in front of anybody. You don't want to talk about it, you know. So, yeah. And did you feel like your family in general? I mean, you didn't you didn't show feelings a lot in your home. I mean, you just get to work and, and yeah. I mean, I don't know about that. I think we you know had fun okay. and, and other things, but but religion wasn't just not really discussed and. Yeah. Do you remember your young perspectives of God? Like, did you believe in a God or? Yeah. I remember like growing up, uh, we were taught to pray as kids and my, and my parents would pray with us, uh, the Lord's prayer. And then mm-hmm. some other, um, like, uh, I guess there were more poems, like a prayer poem, um, that we learned. But then as we, you know, I don't know, 10, 11, it just kind of stopped. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. we about to become teenagers. It, I guess we probably thought it was too babyish or something. I don't know, but it stopped. <laughs> what were you, some of your earliest uh, perceptions of America? So, so when I was eight, I saw the movie Grease. And, and, <laughs> nice. and, you know, to me, that was just like, oh, high school in America is like that. So that was one of it. The leather jackets. Yeah. And the, yeah. I think it was, wasn't it eight? Yeah, I think it was eight. I also went uh, over Christmas in 1978 to um, California and Florida. So, wow. yeah, and that was my first experience with America, as in like coming here. And I just fell in love. You know, it was sunshine. They had 
dogs and cats, which we didn't have. And it was just, you know, I don't know. The the whole thing was just, I loved it. So Southern California. Did nobody have dogs and cats or that was just your home? <laughs> but there were, there were not a lot of dogs and cats in my neighborhood when I was growing up. No. Hmm. And and if people have them, they're usually inside. They're like inside animals. Yeah. So uh, on the farm, yeah, but not not like my street. I, I don't remember anybody having a dog in my street. So what do you mean by you fell in love with America? Like the culture, the movies, the you wanted to live there someday? Yeah, the or? whole thing. I was just captivated, yeah. to be honest. I just hmm. and I think, you know, had I gone to Michigan in December, you know, probably would have been a different experience. <laughs> but yeah. here, you know, we, we got the nice warm weather, the sun, the you know, I don't know, all the toys, all the TV, all the kid stuff on TV. See, back back then, back into yeah, all the way into 1987, we only had one TV station, and they just broadcasted from like six six thirty at night until eleven p.m. or something. You know, we oh. had uh, Little House on the Prairie we had on Sunday afternoon, but we didn't have you know TV twenty four seven. So yeah. Um, so d- did you did you have desires to come to America and live? From yeah, that young age, I think or? I think that's when you know the. The seed was sown. Um, and then when I was uh, 15, I got this targeted mass mail, you know, become an exchange student type of thing. And I looked at it, that would be cool, put mm-hmm. my drawer. And then next year, I got the same theme because they send, you know, kids out in sophomore, uh, no, junior and senior years. That's the ages they send, you know, exchange students with this program. So I put it in the drawer the next summer as well. You know, be fun, whatever. And then uh, like in December, I was home for lunch from school, uh, tech school. And then I also just remembered this pamphlet and I, I dug it up and found it and I showed my mom and it was past the due date to apply. But my brother uh-huh. was there for some reason. He said, hey, I know the I know an old classmate of mine works for that company. You know, I can talk to her. And anyways, so he t- he, my mom and dad said, yeah, sure. But dad wasn't too excited about me leaving. He wanted me to finish school first. Anyway, so my brother talks to this girl or woman, and and she said, "Sure, you know, you could you could come for an interview, but not everybody's cut out for this program type of thing." Anyways, I went for an interview. They accepted me, and and then I went to some preparation courses uh, through the winter, and then the next summer in August of '86, I went to Arizona as an exchange student. Wow! And how old were you at that time? Sixteen. Okay. So, no, sorry. It was eighty-seven. In, it was eighty-seven. I was seventeen because I had my driver's license. Okay, yeah. eighty-seven. And so your dad wanted you to finish like your high school years. Actually, that- yeah, we graduate when we're sixteen in Iceland, and then we go to a okay. college if we want to go that route, and then we go to university. Those are two separate things. Gotcha. So I was and, in trade your school. Your dad wanted you to finish. Yeah, my, uh-huh. wanted me to finish the trade school, but I had like gotcha. If I'd done that, I wouldn't been able to go as an exchange student because the AIDS gap is just that uh-huh. the window. Yeah. Right? So before we get into that, uh, you know, you're, you know, the being an exchange student, anything else about your childhood that would be worth mentioning? I went on farms a couple of summers to help out like a farmhand. I remember <laughs> we were driving this tractor and I was like, I've always been small and a little bit skinny, I guess, kind of. And, you know, <laughs> and I was driving this tractor and, and it was on like kind of on a cliff type of thing. And I was supposed to rake all the grass, all the hay. And it was just tough to steer this thing. It was an old tractor. So I was just hanging on the steering wheel for the life of me, trying to make you know my body weight, uh, using my body weight to turn the wheel. Um, 
I got bucked up at a horse once. I got yeah. spooked, and it just went like crazy, and and went down by the river, and it was big rocks, and that's where I fell on my face, and, oh, wow. and then I walked back to the farm, and they saw me coming walking, and they like came running out, and they saw I had blood all over my face, and they thought, you know, after that, I oh, no. I I don't ride horses. I just yeah, rather go walking. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I, you'll have to excuse my my ignorance when it comes to, to Iceland, but uh, is the there, there's a lot of English spoken there, or is there there's Icelandic? So Icelandic right? Yeah. So Icelandic is is like Old Norse, like Norwegian okay. spoke in the year around the year one thousand. That's when okay we left Norway and came to Iceland. Uh, it was eight thirty or so. And Iceland being isolated and only had one TV station for the longest time, the language just kind of kept the same way. It, it didn't get influenced by other countries as much as the Scandinavian uh-huh. languages did. So, so when I was at BYU, I took an old Norse class and I could read probably about 90, 95% of it. So it was a book written in, in the year 1000. Spelling oh, wow. was a little different, but, but the words... So did you grow up? Your primary language was Icelandic. Yeah, it is Icelandic. Yes. Okay. And then we're, but it, but everybody speaks English. No. Would you say? Or? Well, oh, okay. Well, I think so. We were taught when I went to school. We were taught Danish. I think eleven, and then English at twelve through sixteen. Oh wow! But now I think they re- reversed it and they start English sooner than Danish. Uh huh. Um, but uh, but you knew English coming to Arizona. Yeah, and- a little bit. I I mixed my V's and W's. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I still do. <laughs> so once in a while, <laughs> but yeah. And then uh, what was, I I I've heard the old adage that uh, Greenland is covered in ice and Iceland is quite green, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. is that correct? Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you do get I imagine you we get, get snow and extreme weather. Yeah, we get snow yeah. and and about I think eleven percent of Iceland is covered in glaciers. Oh, wow. So, you know, we do have some white stuff. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, we have snow. And it's, it's in a way, it's similar to here, American Fork. You know, some winters we get a lot of snow, others we don't get so much. Yeah. But uh, um, because of the Gulf Current, it keeps Iceland from being um, icy, too much snow. Mm-hmm. You get the warmth from mm-hmm. the Gulf Current, you know, flows up. Yeah. All right. So you make your way to. Arizona, yes, the United States. I mean, were you were you just beyond excited? I were was a bit nervous. No, I think I was more excited than nervous. Um, I'm an extrovert. I don't know when I, you know, I've probably always been an extrovert. So I was excited. I was excited about going, you know, new experience. And I remember during that winter, <clears throat> but they they had us come like for a couple of weekends, the exchange student program people to prepare us. You know, because there's going to be a culture shock. It was going to be, uh, you know, they were tell we were uh, representatives of of Iceland. You know, as we go out there, so we'd have to have some kind of a presentation ready, no PowerPoint, but you know, write us something up, some statistics about Iceland, and being able to talk about Iceland, and, you know, in a positive way. And then they also told us that we should immerse ourselves in the exchange uh, experience. Don't just hang out. And I remember. When I got to this small town in Arizona, there were some other exchange students there, amazingly enough. And there was like... And what town was it? It was called Joseph City. It's in north, oh, okay. northeastern Arizona on I-40. 
And uh, some of them were like, there's a couple from Japan and there was two or three, it was I think three from Mexico. And they would kind of hang out together and group, you know, during lunch and stuff, you know, like, and I remember them, that's the, the program saying, you know, try to immerse yourself. Don't, don't try to find other Icelanders and just hang out with them. So, I mean, I didn't have a choice because I was the only one there, but, but I was kind of part of the, the, the idea, you know, you, you're going to experience something new. You're not going to foreign land to do the same thing you do at home. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, and did you get placed with a, a, a specific family for the whole time that you were Yeah. There? So the thing that, yeah, it was just one family. And for this program, the family chooses. So they had like, oh, I can't remember, 30 applications. They had a bunch. So they chose me out of the, out of the thing. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, so they chose me. And, and being from Arizona, were they an LDS uh, family? Yes. I didn't know. So this is what happened. They, you know, I, I, I don't know, I come midweek or something and then Saturday rolls around and they tell me that, Hey, we'll, we're uh, willing to find your church and give you a ride to it. If you want to go to your church or you could come with us, we, we go to church. And I, like we talked about, I wasn't that religious. I'm like, I, I'll just go with you. And uh, so I went with them the first Sunday. And I remember walking in, and, you know, seeing a huge title on the side of the building. I didn't read it or comprehend it, but it was sure it was very long. And then uh, stayed with them the whole three hours. And I got home. I thought to myself, that's three hours. You know, it's like that's <laughs> crazy, every an hour <laughs> maybe or something. <laughs> so um, after that, I just stayed at home. I just thought, now just stay at home. And I, I don't know, I, I – I used to vacuum my room and cleaned and watched some TV and I don't know, <laughs> the, you know, went around the neighborhood. But then after three Sundays or so, then I realized, number one, a lot of the kids at school go to church. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't hang out with them because they're at church. And number two, I remember that, you know, immerse yourself in the exchange students experience. So I thought oh, I might as well go with them. So I started going with them again. And it wasn't until later that in some class, somebody was said Mormon, you know, the word Mormon. And I'm like, wait, what? Are you Mormons? I asked them. Were you familiar with Mormons in, in I Iceland? think the only thing I knew was my sister, older sister, warning me that if two men in suits come knocking, don't open the door. Because they'll never <laughs> okay. leave. So that was the only thing I, <laughs> I think I could relate nice. to or, you know, associate with the word. But – yeah, but I ended up just going with them the whole year. Nice. And they were uh, <clears throat> they had they had five kids and two of them were on missions. And I didn't you know, realize that at that time. So they had three at home, and uh, they just kind of uh, took me in like one of their own. So I just I just it was very natural for me to be you know to do everything that they did type of thing. I just felt like their son mm -hmm. really. Yeah. How long were you with them? So. August until June, so almost a year. Oh, wow. It's almost a full year yeah. then. Wow. Wow. And um, maybe uh, to what, was, what were your first, like, what do you remember about just living here in America? Were there certain things that surprised you or well, it, was it the dream you'd been hoping for? No. The, the, the high school had 112 students. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even the, the backup choir for Greece, you know, one of the scenes. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> none of the classes broke out the dancing and singing, you know, spontaneously. So no, very few leather jackets. You know. <laughs> no leather jackets. 
Um, and the town, you know, no stoplight town. So no, it wasn't quite what I expected. I remember like Friday night ro- rolling around and yeah, so we're 17. They have a son um, who's, who's my age, so 17 as well. And then uh, their son's friend, uh, John, his parents moved that summer and he didn't want to start a new high school. So he, he got permission to live with the, with the family that winter. So it was three hmm. 17 year olds in the basement, you know, so that was fun. Anyway, so I'm 17, you know, I come from all well, my friends were drinking and partying back home and going to bars Friday night rolls around and like eight 30, they just fall asleep on the couch watching some <laughs> rerun on TV. <laughs> what? Party animals. What? <laughs> so it, that was, yeah, it was a, a culture shock and, I don't know. I not quite what I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else about America or living there? I, I, were there other exchange students, uh, in your area? No. Um, so I had to meet up with the exchange student person here, you know, just to check in like one Saturday and there's an older guy and, um, wasn't too much fun, but he said, Oh, there's, there's some Icelanders somewhere. And I said, no, I'm fine. Um, and, and actually through all, most of my years, I haven't done too much of looking up other Icelanders because I just feel like when I'm here, I'm here, you know? Yeah. Um, so you're with this family in, in Arizona, you're attending church, and w- w- did the message at church begin to stick? Or? No, I mean, we're just three 17-year-olds, and, you know, we're yeah. they're, they're active, but they're still 17, you know, and and not really decided to what they're going to do with their lives. and. So we just, you know, do our things. But I, w- I would go to church and I would go to young man, I don't know, hike, went to have a soup pie on a hike. Um, that was great. That was fun. Huh. But no, um, it wasn't too much. I mean, I erupted off from the family more than the, the two boys, I think. They weren't too yeah. interested in, in preaching the gospel to me. But I remember one uh, family evening that the dad was talking about the Book of Mormon. He was just hammering, we need to read the Book of Mormon and, and go through it. And I reckon this is not too late, uh, not too long after President Benson gave his Book of Mormon talk, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, in the years after, I've gone back and thought about it. So after the family meeting was over, I, I felt so much part of the family that I went to the mom and said, you know, do you have a copy of the Book of Mormon? And I started reading it. And I think I read every night or almost every night until I got to the allegory of the olive tree. And I just totally got lost and didn't know what was going on. And I stopped reading after that. Mm-hmm. But that was my first experience with the Book of Mormon. And I, I just asked for it and started reading it. Nice. But by the end, uh, when you went home, you were used to attending church with them. Yeah. And hearing the jargon and yeah. the lessons and things. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't know what, if everything sank in, but... I w- yeah, for sure, the, the social part of it, yes. I was converted to yeah. the social part of the church, for sure. Nice. And then came time for you to go home, or is there any anything else worth mentioning uh, during No, those, basically, those I, yeah, I went home, and then uh, I went back to trade school. And in October of 88, so I, 87, 88, I'm in Arizona. Summer of June of 88, I get back to Iceland. And October 88, um, I look up at the church, in Iceland and I find where the building is and I, I go there during the daytime and the doors open. I go upstairs and, and there's uh, this woman, Svenbjörg, who's working, translating. I didn't know. 
So I asked her if I could get a Book of Mormon. And she said, sure, it's three bucks. So I went to my wallet and she wrote a receipt and I got a copy of it. And then I started. So you you looked up the, the church, the local church. Did you just miss that, the social dynamic that you experienced in Arizona? I, were you, well, I, what were you after, after coming back from, from, from Arizona sometime in the fall, I started thinking about, you know, reading the Bible a little bit and I started thinking more about just religion. So, yeah, it uh-huh. took a few months and then I started thinking, well, you know, what, I don't know what started really, but I started with the Bible and, and thinking, you know, more about God. And then I thought, oh, maybe I should, you know, get a Book of Mormon. Because I had one in Arizona, but I didn't take it with me home for some reason. And then comparing the two and just, you know, I don't know, going down that path somehow. And so on and off, I would be reading in, in Bible or Book of Mormon through the winter. And then next summer, 89, I go for a visit. And I go for a few weeks to uh, visit them in Arizona. And we hang out. And, and then, you know, my brother there, Jay, host brother, He's getting ready to go on a mission. I go back to Iceland, and then in, I think, September, he goes to the MTC. And then all of a sudden, he turns all religious and wanted to preach to me. So he's obviously <laughs> being in the MTC, right? So this uh, is, like through letter, he, yeah. he wanted to preach to yes. you. Okay. Well, and, and just, you know, all of a sudden, he's in that mental state. And, you know, this is long before because the Hinkley raised the bar and all that good stuff. So, <laughs> okay. so um and it was fine, you know, it was really fine and good and dandy. So he'd send me, you know, he'd start writing more about the gospel. And then he then he told me that there was a, actually, there was a missionary serving in Iceland. By the way, there's only six to eight missionaries at that time in Iceland, elders. Hmm. And Iceland is part of Denmark-Copenhagen mission. Hmm. So this one of the, those six or eight missionaries is actually from, from the town that uh, they had gone to college together for one winter. So he, he knew him a little bit. His mission's name is Byron Smith. So he tells me Byron is there. So I look him up. I don't know, probably in September or something. And uh, we just meet and talk. And I reminisce about Arizona and you know how much I loved it and missed it and stuff. And then we just kind of lose contact. And then uh, Jay's next letter, he sends me an uh, audio tape, Our Heavenly Father's Plan. I don't know if you remember it. Oh, you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he sends me the audio tape, not the videotape. And I listened to it a few times. And then I decided to you know, look up Elder Smith again. And at that time, he was serving in, so there were two branches in Iceland. Three, sorry, three. But he was serving the, in the military uh, servicemen's branch. So they lived in Reykjavik, but they had to go all the way to the base. And there was no bus that went there early, so they hitchhiked. So I got hold of him and I found out this was happening and I said, Oh, I can give you a ride. You know, I got a car. So I'd go to Reykjavik, pick them up, and then turn around and go all the way to Keplavik. And the church was like eight o'clock in the morning, school building on the base. So I went with them to church a couple times. Um, and then on a Wednesday night, I go to visit them and they're showing me a video, uh, restoration of the priesthood or something. And then I'm about to leave and his companion, I can't remember his name. Matt. Matt something. He asked me, hey, we're having a baptism on Saturday. The two two men getting baptized. Do you want to be baptized? He just pops the question. And actually, I had been, during those two and a half weeks or two weeks, I had been reading more and praying or, you know, thinking and praying and just, but I didn't know how to ask or say. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I wanted to be baptized, but I just didn't know. 
So I panicked when he asked, and like, yeah, let me think about it and whatever. I went home next night, Thursday night, you know, really praying, and I, f- I feel I get the answer. I just feel like this, this calm feeling pouring over me, and I just feel like you've always known. And to me, that was like that year in Arizona was the preparation. Hmm. I just didn't know it. You know, I was getting used to the spirit of that time. So I, I get my answer. I call them and they say, okay, great. Let's meet tomorrow night, Friday night. And I go and visit them. Back then they had the six discussions. So mm-hmm. we went through the first discussion, but it took way too long because Icelandic is hard and they, it takes missionaries a long time to learn Icelandic, even more than two years for some. So, so we decided we just read, take turns reading it. So we read through them. We got through four of them. And then the district leader interviewed me for the baptism, baptism interview. And then uh, next day is Saturday. I go to work. Um, I'm a busboy at Hard Rock Cafe, Reykjavik. And the shift gets off like four or something. And then I drive down to the church building where I had bought the Book of Mormon. And that was my, my second time in the building, I think, because I, I was going to church <laughs> in the base. So I go in there and, and meet them. They had to have an open house. And then the missionaries tell me, actually, the two other guys uh, canceled. They're not getting baptized. It's just you. Oh, wow. I don't know. There's a con trick missionaries have. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard worse stories. That's for sure. No, the other two, something came up. They chickened out. So I ended up being the only one being baptized that night. My mom and dad came, and my mom's dad, my grandpa, came as well. Wow. Was, what did your parents think of this decision? Well, when I told my dad uh, I was getting baptized, I think it was Thursday night, he just said, uh, it was just me and him. My mom was somewhere else. He just said, oh, talk to your mom. He just referred me to mom. In the beginning, they thought it was a cult. And my mom um, asked my grandpa to be there. And she relied on him. And and he actually ended up reading the Book of Mormon and and telling my mom later that he felt this was very true to to Christ's church, you know, 2,000 years ago, Uh that he felt. So that gave her some peace of mind. Anyway, I get baptized that night. And then... uh, Confirmed, gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a little party afterwards, you know, cookies on the third floor. And then I go home on a high. And next morning, I go to church in that branch. So my first Sunday at church in that branch. I sit in the back. This, the missionaries are my security blanket. You know, I'm, I'm all nervous, all these people. And then uh, my future father-in-law is the branch president. And he starts the sacrament meeting. And then announcements part comes. And he says, oh, there was a baptism yesterday. And then people kind of, oh, because they, I guess they didn't have anybody prepared type of thing. And then, uh, well, yeah, except those two. And then he said uh, that I w- my name and asked me to stand up, and I stood up in the back. And, and one of the people that looked back was my uh, now, who is now my wife. And she later <laughs> told me, it's like, she looked back and saw me, he's like, who's that? He's never been to church. He's not going to stick. He's not going to last. <laughs> yeah, they didn't realize. She didn't realize you've been going elsewhere, right? Yeah, didn't know about that. So that was my first Sunday there. And then uh, the missionaries, right, their, their mission president, they told me that Sunday night we had a baptism and it was Christian and all that. And he called, I think he called them the next day or whenever we got the letter. He's like, what? He wasn't even in the, you know, teaching pool or. Or finally, you know, he was nowhere to be found. How come he baptized him? But then they explained to him, you know, that I had been exchange student and, and 
all this preparation that had come before. And he asked me to write my conversion story, which I did. And then, you know, he, he saw this in a different light. But I never got the yeah. last two discussions until I, I went on a mission, went to the MTC, and I <laughs> got to read that there. Nice. Awesome. So you had communicated with your your exchange student brother who was on a mission that you had baptized and yeah. you, did you hear anything from that family? Oh yeah. Know, yeah. I, I, I was in, I was in, in rather good contact with them and I would call them once in a while. So I told them and, and I think, yeah, I can't remember if Jake got a permission to call me or something. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. They were of That's course cool. static and super stoked about it. Yeah. And, um, wow. During the, so where did your life go from there? So, I finished trade school um, and then so I baptized in November 89 and then March of 91, I go to England on a mission, England, Bristol wow. mission. And I, Did, was that the plan from the moment you were baptized to be a missionary? I, no, sometime soon or? maybe not, but uh, heavily influenced obviously by Jay. And, and then of, I, hung, I hung out with the missionaries all the time. You know, they were yeah. my friends. They were my support system security blanket um so yeah influenced by them and they would they would ask me to go help teach and you know join teach and things like that but yeah. you know no i'm not sure exactly when it came about but it just yeah the path went that way i sold my truck and thankfully um a month before my mission started the what's it called the, the equal plan the even rate that you pay for the missionary Oh yeah, it's like it's just a standard, you know, five hundred or so yeah. dollars that you pay a month. So where it didn't used to be that. No, you, everybody used to pay their own, you know, whatever the real expense. But then the states went into a one-year trial of this equal pay, and they rolled it out to the rest of the world month before I started my mission, which was a great uh -huh. blessing to me because otherwise I would have only done a twelve-month mission with my <laughs> my car. <laughs> Quite. Yeah. You know. So you sold your truck in order yeah. to. I financed my for mission. expenses of your mission. Wow. And uh, and then, yeah, I went on a mission. I uh, My dad got – so my dad had cancer um, a few years earlier. And then um, when I had three months left of my mission, the cancer um, returned again. So I went home for Christmas. My brother came home from California where he was studying. And then uh, I spent the last of my mission in Iceland. I transferred in, you know, to the – Denmark mission because there's only three months left. Oh wow! And they allowed me to do that. that so cool. you you were not released from as a missionary. No, you just I went home. Got transferred. I, I went home for a week, and then I yeah, and then I went um, out again, but in Iceland. Yes. Oh wow! Yeah. Interesting. And for just three months. Yeah. Instead of coming home early wow. and getting it done, they yeah. My mission president was uh, super understanding, knowing that you know none of my family were members, and and actually you know and then this very well be my dad's last Christmas, which it was. Oh, wow. So how, how, when did he die after that? In July. Mm. July. Oh, that was great that you got yes. to go home for that Christmas. Yes. And my brother, you know, he made, he came home as well. So we were all home together that last Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So at that point, I mean, you're, you're in, right? Like this yeah. is, uh, you are a Latter-day Saint return missionary. Yeah. <laughs> And then I, um, you know, what's the next agenda? Yeah, you got to get married, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the next thing. So <laughs> started looking around. And, 
was there was there any interest before your mission with your with your spouse or no not much i mean there was there was there was just we just didn't date you know it was yeah, yeah. and i didn't i didn't really you know date any uh, yeah there was not number one there not very many young women and i didn't you know date them i was just more hanging around with the missionaries i, I was called to be young men's president when that was a thing in a, in a branch mm-hmm. So I was with the youth a lot. Um, so I socialized with them. It's, you know, I'm, I'm not that old back then. And my wife is a couple of years younger than me. So. Gotcha. Um, she was basically, you know, yeah, I was 19. I was baptized. So she was a youth. So, yeah. So then you just start to, you know, do the next thing. And, and we get married that year. We just dated for six months and we get married and, and then we go back to Arizona, and I was going to be uh, – the plan was for me to earn uh, in-state to be able to uh, qualify for in-state tuition. But then things changed, and I was accepted to BYU um, through some macro, miraculous Icelandic connection. And, uh, <laughs> nice. and then we went home for half a year, and then we came uh, back here in January '95. So wait, let's back up here. So uh, you come from your mission uh, a little bit earlier. You finish off your mission in Iceland, and then uh, your attention turns towards marriage. And then did you immediately begin to, to court and, and date your wife? Yeah, or? shortly after my mission, I think it was. Just, and it didn't take long. No, huh? nice. I, I guess I was in the task list mentality. <laughs> <laughs> that happens after a mission, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and of course, you know the the right one was right there. So, yeah. yeah. And where did you get married? So we got married uh, civilly in Iceland, and then uh, when we went to Arizona, as soon as we could, we were allowed to get sealed in temple. Wow. Since there was not nice, yeah. we didn't have to wait. And uh, th- these days, I you can't keep them tra- straight. There's there's no temple in Iceland, yeah, right? Correct. There's no temple. And so what, what was the temple district for Iceland? So it was Stockholm, it? Sweden. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's, you might as well go to Arizona. <laughs> well, we were going to move here anyways. And basically, so yeah. this, this was back when they said, you know, if you don't get married in a temple, you have to wait a year before you can get sealed. Yeah. But they said, since there's no temple in Iceland, just as soon as you get to a temple, you know, get sealed. So mm-hmm. we did that. And, and, uh, so you got married. Did you get married in Mesa? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Okay. So the host family right. could be there, and we actually moved when we when we got, went to Arizona after we got married. We moved to that small town, and and they helped us get established. And we yeah. bought a fifth wheel yeah. that we lived in, and and uh, and then uh, once I got accepted to BYU, we decided to go home for six months, and then we kept came in January of '95. Uh, the fifth wheel got pulled into KOA in Provo, and we lived in there. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, uh, how long did you live in that? Lived there for oh, a year, year and a half, I think. Yeah, and you're just a student, yeah. Huh? And then we bought a, a mobile home, you know, glorified hallway, a single light, <laughs> and we uh-huh. lived in that for the rest of the time. Lamplighter Estates in, in Provo, so we got to know the area. So, 95 to 99, we were here in Provo, yeah. Nice. And then, uh, and what did you, what did you study? At so, I started with computer science. And then realized after two and a half years that all this math and logic, I just wasn't cut out for it. I just did oh, not really? have that in me. So I swapped over to business 
um, majored in business with emphasis on information systems. Graduated in 99, summer 99, and then we moved to Iceland. Wow. And was that the plan to always return back? To no, I applied for jobs here and I got a, um, offered one, but then we just prayed about it. And I remember we went to one of the devotionals, uh, Elder Holland was speaking, and he was talking about um, just the, the trial, you know, trials that we go through, not just before, but also after. Anyways, we prayed about this and we felt that we should go home and that was the right thing to do. Is a degree from the U.S. pretty valuable in in Iceland, or I mean, is no, it, or, not per se, but it was a you know university degree. It was a degree, yeah. nonetheless. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it was it was taken valid, but it wasn't. So you moved was, back home, uh, ninety nine, ninety nine, ninety nine. Okay. Moved back home, and then we just you know we throw ourselves into trying to help the church grow and serving there and you know doing whatever it takes. This small branches, you know, you got two or three yeah. callings depending uh-huh. on, you know, if you know how to play the organ, you might have four. Uh-huh. Right. So it's, right. it's that kind of environment, you know, everybody has to pitch in and help out. And so we yeah. go home and we, that's great. So we had one, one baby during BYU years, our son was born 96 and then 99 in the fall, we had Anya our second. And then 2002, we had our third area. Wow. So growing a family, doing uh, living the dream in Iceland with uh, your Icelandic family, huh? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, 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 how would you describe just your experience being a dad? Or did it come easy for you? Uh, was it more difficult? I, I think I connected. See, now i got to stop. I think I connected very well when uh, the kids were younger, you know, playing with them. Uh-huh. I think I, yeah. But then I say, you know, the teenage days, it kind of got harder to keep it genuine. And, it gets complicated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. But I think like, a, nice. like a, I think I'm with younger kids, I'm relaxed. I, I like to joke and have fun. And, and there's no problem uh-huh. getting on the floor and playing with cars and things like that. So, yeah, I think I was, sure. I think I was okay dad there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And how old are your kids now? Oh, man. So 20, Roughly, 28, yeah. <laughs> 25, okay. turning 25, and then Iria is turning 22. We, we did nice. the three-year program. I see. <laughs> and then are they are they pretty close? Yeah. Or? So our son lives in Eagle Mountain, so about 20 minutes maybe. And they have our only grandkid. Nice. Um, so we visited a lot. They came over yesterday for dinner. Um, and then uh, our middle one, Anya, she lives in Idaho now. Her husband's going to dental school. He'll be moving to Omaha, Nebraska. She's expecting in June. And then the youngest is still at home. She's single. Uh-huh. When you move back to the U.S., what what was the motivation in, in coming back here? So, um, so our son goes through the teenage years and, and – becomes less and less active. <clears throat> He's hanging out with, uh, you know, people that maybe not the best crowd, not the worst. So we're having the police knock on our door, you know, a few, few too many times, you know, okay, <laughs> three times too many because they knocked on four times maybe. So 
that was kind of happening. And he remember at 16, we go to college and his first semester was great. But the second semester, his, you know, interest just vain really quickly. And, um, and he talked about being, you know, wanting to be an exchange student because he'd seen my videos. He'd come to Joe City. We went there twice when he was seven and then when he was uh, 16 or something, 15. So he, mm-hmm. he'd known, you know, and he'd seen videos and stories and stuff and he wanted to do it. So we thought, oh, he wants, he's showing interest. Let's see what we can do. And somehow that morphed into everybody left except me. Because Sole, my wife, she had dual citizenship. She was able to apply for birth abroad for my kids. And like in three weeks, they have the passport, social security number, the whole thing. So, hmm. um, and just within within a matter of two and a half months, we went from thinking about this and they left. I drove them to the airport. We, we packed out everything in the house, put it in the garage. We rented our house. And from the airport, I drove to my mom's place and moved in with her. So that was the, that was the, that's how it started. And the idea was to do it just for a year, see how it goes, you know. And then once the year was almost up, things were going great. And we thought maybe we should stay on this path. So we extended the program, within quotes, because <laughs> we're not doing any program. We're just doing it on ourselves. Um, and we're still here. There you go. Yeah. So, so your mom lives here too? Or no, she, no, she she's, she's in Iceland. But I mean, we, oh, we okay, were still gotcha. here, meaning, you know, we, um, I came a year, year later. Sorry. They're still here. And I came a year later. And, and okay. Just, so you were living with your mom in Iceland yeah. while your family came here? Yeah, for the first year. Gotcha. Nice. Interesting. And uh, it's been a good move then? Yes. Yes, we yeah. feel really good about this. It's one of those things and that what, you don't plan or you don't you know, anticipate or set a goal or anything like that. It just kind of uh, morphed into this. Yeah. And we moved around. We, we just bought – so a year ago we bought. That was the first time we bought in the States. The rest of the time we've been renting. And we moved to uh, Florida for six months just to try to push the reset button a little bit and try things out. Um, and then mainly being in Lehigh and Eagle Mountain and, and here. Yeah. And uh, so uh, how long ago did you say you, you've moved to, the, to our ward? So a year ago. year okay. 14 months ago. 14 months ago, something like that. Nice. Yeah. And uh, wh- whereabouts in the ward do you live? So we're in the Keystone single-family homes, the, okay. the one – South of the power lines, ones that were first <laughs> nice. built. Yeah. Nice. So east Very east good. of 900. Nice. Uh, and anything else? What, what would you say to people who are moving into the area? Anything worth noting or uh, the ward or people? I, or, I think I we, we have a whole bunch of great people here. And I think just be open. If, you, if you're not an extrovert, try it a little bit to be an extrovert. And, you yeah. Know, <laughs> reach out talk to people that you don't know be you know be the one to open up your mouth first just say hi yeah get to know people Love and it. and then then there's so many connections then once you start talking about where you're from or where you grew up to up or what school you went to then i was oh i went there or i got friends or whatever okay maybe iceland is a little bit helpful because it's further away and <laughs> maybe a little bit more exotic type of thing but once you start talking about where you're from and your background, then the church is so small, you know, Oh, I served with somebody from there and whatnot. And, and when we ha- when that happens, then all of a sudden we become a lot closer, you know, yeah. we become friends because we have something in common, not just the gospel. So, yeah. And it's nice having extroverts like you in the ward that, uh, I, I mean, know. you 
you're out there meeting people and, and making it happen. I think many appreciate that. Thank you. I, so. I hope so. I can't, I, I enjoy it too. Cause I, I want to get to know people. And to, mm-hmm. to me, people are the most fascinating thing in, in the world. And I get, a, I get energized by being around people and talking to people. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's just me. Nice. And I know I know everybody is that way, but, but I think we should try to reach out at least to, you know, people who sit next to you. Yeah. Love it. Uh, what are some of your, uh, favorite church callings that you've had? Oh, um, we, we taught the six-year-olds, six, seven, yeah, six to seven-year-olds primary. That was great. Um, they will tell you anything and everything that happens in the home. No filter. Sometimes a little <laughs> bit scary. Um, but it was, it was so great, though, teaching them and just, you know, enthusiasm that they had. Um, <laughs> for example, one time, the the daughter of the bishop was an award. It was in our class. And then there was this other boy, Joseph, and he was really serious and, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of a very observant, even though he wouldn't say much. We ask a question and, and the daughter of the bishop raises her hand, gives the answer, and we're like, Yes, that's right. And then under his breath, he says, not very loud, of course he knows the answer. She's the bishop's daughter. <laughs> this is a seven-year-old. Crying yeah, yeah. See, even then they're starting to, you know, think that way. I think that that probably been a great calling. I was uh, also in. I was assistant secretary, secretary, executive secretary. I like that because yeah. that got the extrovert to me got the fulfillment of talking to people and you know, reaching out, asking people prayers yeah. and things, and get to know them. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I like those things. Awesome. And uh, where do you work? Work for Unitas, which is a, a company in New York that makes a platform, software platform, to connect social care with regular health care. Hmm. I mean, to provide, you know, a, a 360 care. They say only 20% of our, you know, physical well-being is getting our legs fixed or, you know, um, our cold taken care of or whatnot, you know, physical doctor type of thing. But 80% is the social wellness. Do we have enough yeah. money to, you know, pay our rent and buy food and mental well-being and the rest? Uh-huh. So it, wow. it connects those organizations like soup kitchens and others with clinics, so they can mm-hmm. refer patients back and forth. And what do you? What specifically do you do for them? I'm an Atlassian administrator. So Atlassian makes tools like a ticketing system called Jira, and, a, and a Confluence is like a wiki system, documentation. So I administer those tools and help them out. Nice. So, and you work remotely yeah. at home? Yes. Awesome. Got, That's the way I to do it. I got the job during so. COVID. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they've, after COVID, they've just done more and more remote. Yeah. I think most have gone that way, right? Which is great. Yes. <laughs> so what about any, any future ambitions in life? Uh, a, a specific job you want to have? Do you want to serve missions? Do you, I mean, what's, what's uh, the future? For Christian, I didn't like. realize this was going to be like an interview, a job or something. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, th- I think well, the main thing is just that we want to, or I want to help where I can help. Um, if I can be of any help or service, yeah. you know, that, that's just my, you know, I think that's my main thing. If if we yeah. can uh, to go on mission, yes, it would be great, or in some other way. I don't, 
I don't think I aspire to be in the spotlight. Um, I like to help things get done, but I don't have a, I don't think I have a need to be in the spotlight. Yeah. The center of attention. I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think for sure, I mean, we want to, we do want to travel though. We want to make sure that we, you know, get, visit our kids and grandkids and, and do nice. some traveling. But um, I am, so I'm, I'm getting more involved with Atlassian as a, as a volunteer in the community. They have a community. Um, and also Atlassian Creator, which is kind of like a um, influencer type of thing on LinkedIn. So I'm trying to do more work there. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that maybe that will evolve and, and something will happen yeah. out of that. And I can somehow get paid for doing that. Do you, do you plan to be in the area for a while then? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, this is close to our forever home. Yeah. I, That's awesome. Yeah. So if someone visits Iceland, what are, give us like the top three things that someone must do if they visit Iceland. So number one, take your swimsuit and no, what's, what's the word? Phobia? No, no, uh, gym phobia. Go swimming in Iceland. There's a lot of swimming pools. Oh, really? swimming, okay. yeah. Um, but they make you take all your clothes off and wash before you put your swimming trunks on. So, oh, really? Yeah, you can't be. <laughs> don't be shy. <laughs> but they do have men's room and women's room, so you know, come on. Yeah, yeah, right. Know. So, so you have to. T- you cannot well, have I mean, a swimsuit on while you shower off no, before the no. swim. I mean, that's pool. you know, they ask you not to do that. Oh, yeah. interesting. But All that's right. part of the culture. I'll, I'll be prepared. Yeah, we, that's what we grew up with. We had school swimming lessons, you know, once a week from six years to six-year-old until 16. So that's just one of those things that happen and you get used to it. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two is um, um, ice cream and dairy. If you're not lactose intolerant, we have – There's a lot of ice, lot cream, of ice and cream and dairy. dairy. Yeah, and ice cream shops. And are, it's good. It's good. And they're open up, you know, all year long. I remember that as an exchange student, they closed the ice cream shop in the fall. I'm like, what is this? Right? This is Arizona. <laughs> I don't think that happens too much anymore, but no. especially in Utah. Yeah. So. No. So um, try the ice cream and dairy, you know. Um, and then I guess one thing would be layers would be another. Take, make sure you take lots of layers with you. Because we yeah. got wind and and then we got rain and it just kind of, it's kind of crummy weather. That's awesome. what we have. You know. Well, you know, it looks beautiful. I would love to visit Iceland someday. So a lot of window weather. Thank you. So we call it window weather when it looks good outside the window, but then you go outside the house and you realize it's just <laughs> cold and crummy. It's terrible, yeah. <laughs> but it's beautiful. So window weather. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Any other story or that we missed from your life that we need to make oh. sure we include in this living history, Christian, or do we, oh. do we get it? <laughs> Um, I, I sleepwalk, I eat in my sleep. Um, so I, no, I think, <laughs> I, maybe, I don't know. So, okay. Yeah. One story about that. Oh no, I got two yeah. stories about food. If we have time. All right, one story about, uh, was that my sister-in-law, we make this gingerbread house, you know, you know, in Iceland, that's part of it. And then when Christmas is over, you break it and, and eat it. Right. Uh-huh. And it's decorated with, you know, good stuff, candy and stuff. So she sent me some when I was my mission, really thoughtful. Her. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm going to save it. You know, I put it underneath my bed and, and go to bed. And, and then next day I wake up and I have all these crumbs in my bed. I'm like, what, what is this? And it's just crumbs. <laughs> and then I go underneath the bed and grab the box and it was empty. So in my sleep, I had eaten the gingerbread. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't get to enjoy it because I was asleep. 
<laughs> you don't remember any of it. No. Huh? <laughs> so, oh, thank goodness. and then I have one story about fasting. This, this is how I learned how to fast. So we used to go once in a while on Saturday nights in Joe City. We used to go to, to this town, a couple of towns over to dances. And uh-huh. I would stop at Circle K afterwards and buy those Hostess O's donuts, raspberry filling, yeah. you know, with the white, yeah, the old, the, Delicious. Yeah, in the box, right? <laughs> Six in a box. So we would split it because the three of us, two each. And then we'd, we'd gone a couple of times. And then this third time we go or so, um, I don't grab a box and, and I just ask them, so we're splitting it like usual. And they're like, no, get your own. Oh, why? <laughs> well, tomorrow's fast Sunday. So you got you to have some supplies in the room, you know, because <laughs> you're fasting. <laughs> kitchen's closed. Yes, kitchen's closed, so you got to have some supplies. Um, but that actually ended badly for Jay because we're in the, in, the, in the basement, no windows. And he reaches one fast Sunday morning and reaches out to his box and starts eating this donut. And then turns on the light and it's all black. It's not white. It's all black, the donut, and it's moving. So the, oh my the ants got to it. Oh, that'll yeah, do I'll it. do it. That'll do it. No, but again, uh, maybe it's just a testament of that, that you don't have to be perfect to help others uh, learn about the gospel and accept it. You know, right. that, that, yeah, that example, for example, you know, would be a good example. And you still, you still have contact with that yes. family? Yes, and we, you know. That's cool. Whenever we go down Arizona, we try to visit them or, yeah, I talk to them. That's regularly awesome. and I just they just like I said they took me in from day one they took me in and and I didn't you know quite realize it but now as years go by they you know they're just there's another family that I have awesome all right if somebody in the ward is listening to this and uh they what what's one question someone should ask you on Sunday and don't answer it here but uh you know just so people or maybe will find you and ask you this question what <laughs> Another story, <laughs> sleepwalking story, or a unique hobby or talent? I don't know. What what should they ask you? They could ask me what prophet visited Iceland. Ooh. Yeah. What what prophet right. was I a personal chauffeur for for two days? Oh. Mm. Ah, all right. I, I'll ask <laughs> well, you off the air here. Yeah. But, uh, yep. That's a, so find Christian on on Sunday and uh, ask him that question. That'd be fascinating. Um, all right. This is my final question. We're getting into time machine. We're going a hundred years into the future and uh, you are then getting out of the time machine and all of your posterity is there. Are your grandkids, great grandkids? What's the one message that you would want them to know? Christ is your savior. Stick to him. Don't give up on him. I think that would be it. Perfect. Cut it off there. Yeah. That was awesome.